right, welcome back. Episode 44 of the Young Old Heads podcast. Shout out Madison Bumgarner, I think. If I'm wrong on that, that's a big L for me, but I'm one of your hosts, Tommy, aka TV Sports Cards, and I'm here with my good friend and co-host, Max, aka Cards Max, aka Cards Max, Philly edition. Max, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. Tommy, uh, take the L. It's episode 40, where which would be the Bumgarner episode. Bumgarner's jersey was 40. This is episode 44. This is the Julio Rodriguez episode. Serial number match. eBay one of one. Even though eBay one of ones are true one of ones when they are jersey number one of ones. And I will put that in the title. Sorry, not sorry. I'm doing good. Um, Julio Rodriguez's rookie cards are not a buy. Not a sports analysis podcast. And all of that fluff out of the way. Happy half year anniversary of the podcast. Okay, Tommy, how are you doing? man that's a huge L for me that I forgot Mad Bum's number maybe it's McCovey that I'm thinking of I'm gonna have to look this one up anyway Max you ride a card show this week in Philadelphia Pennsylvania how'd that go uh it went well um your saving grace is that William McCovey's is 44 so yeah Tommy I see you're getting hyped for that right now I did so this is my second time going to Philly I went to Philly in December the last time they had the show I had mixed reviews. I didn't buy too much in December. My vintage brain was at like fetus level. It was non-existent. Oh yeah, that's not a political statement for the record. I'm just trying to use analogies. It's, a biology. it's a biology metaphor, Max. You got it. It's a biology metaphor. But but point being, my brain didn't my vintage knowledge did not exist. My card show experience was still growing. I did the one day bender in December where I think I got at like an Amtrak at 5 a.m. And then I took an Amtrak back at like 9 p.m. And I did similar for this show, except with less trains and more driving. For the one day Saturday, excuse me, Philly's a three-day show with Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I did the one-day bender on Saturday for a second time. And I had a lot more fun results. I, met, I saw and met a lot of people. So I don't want to say names because I'm going to forget someone that I met. And I'm going to be very upset at myself if I do. But there are a few people that I hung out with all day. And I'm so happy that I got to see more faces and talk to people and talk to real human beings and talk cards and get to value box with friends. Because isn't that half what it's all about? Value boxing with friends is a certified sponsored uh, card show activity of the Young Old Hoods podcast. Make sure to always value box with your friends. It makes for a better time. Speaking yeah. of which... I have more questions for you about Philly Max, but uh, okay. do you want to tell the people what you're going to be up to next weekend? Next weekend, I'm going to be sleeping on the floor of Tommy's house at the Chicago Spectacular. That's been a lot of fun. It is a three-day show, if I'm not mistaken. Three-day show. Uh, I don't think you're going to be able to get me out there on Sunday, but we'll definitely be hitting up Friday, Saturday. Yeah, we'll definitely be there Friday, Saturday. I will slog to Sunday probably or something i think i because i'm trying to i know with these big time shows it's a little bit stranger right because i know when i went to dallas sunday was dead there were still some things getting done but it was it was mostly dead you could get a few last minute deals people were set up at burbank everyone left maybe just do the cross-country flights burbank was dead on sunday at like 9 a.m and super bowl and Super Bowl, granted, that was the that was the day of the Super Bowl. But there were so many people that just outright did not even go to the show on Sunday. 
or went there to immediately pack up and then their flight home. Chicago, I don't know what to expect. And it really like dampens whether Sunday shows are worth going to in the first place. But given that Chicago is a larger area that I'm sure is recruiting many more people to attend, locally speaking, that I'm intrigued. And I didn't go to a card show to not buy cards. I'm not worried about your ability to buy cards. Uh, I am excited to hear your kind of opinion, though, on the Midwest shows. I feel like you have not really been out here except for the National, right? No. The last Never. time I was in Chicago was in 2019. I ran the Chicago Marathon. And I've not been in Chicago or anywhere near the Midwest since. So are you saying that you will run a marathon around the spectacular throughout the weekend? Do you think you walk a full marathon for a three-day show? I feel like you come close. You definitely don't. You definitely don't? I guess if you're not power walking enough. Well, Yeah, I I mean, that would be like, what would that be like? A lot of miles. Nine miles a day? Yeah, I was thinking, no, well, marathon's 26.2. Yeah. So it'd be like nine, yeah. Three-day show, nine miles a day. I was thinking four days. (laughs) All right, well, enough of the uh, math talk. Did you... What did, uh, so what went down in Philly? Who were you, uh, what were you doing mainly? It seems like value box hunting, but how much showcasing were you doing? It was a mix of both. So I started the day seeing one of these. I think I've, this is my third copy of this that I've owned. Vladimir Guerrero Sapphire PSA 10. I saw that, which is a card that I know the market really well on. And I saw a Fernando Tatis finest rookie auto. Like immediately when I walked in the room and I'm like, okay, boom, prices, I'm going to be at this 800, 900, boom, 850, whatever, done, done deal. Like just get get the juices flowing. And it's interesting because like the Philly Expo Center in general has like so many different, not, I don't say rooms because rooms is, but like buildings kind of, if I'm saying that right. And they're all like meant for conventions. Like there's a pet expo, there was a gymnastics competition in some of the other buildings. And, you know, of course, there's the Philly Card Show. And this was in a different expo building than the one that was in December. So it's like I kind of knew the geography of the room, except like rotated 90 degrees. And it really threw me off. Because I think like the entrance of the show last time was like blocked off, you know, structurally in my mind where i would have entered before was like blocked off it's like rotated weird and that just really confused my head because i went to the show in december even though it was a different expo center building but they all like functionally look alike anyways um so i just needed to jump right into the cards that i saw and i stumbled onto some t206 i just so i know i did my first modern deal i did a few vintage deals that didn't go because people don't like to negotiate, which isn't fun. And then I found some T206s of some New York Highlanders cards. They, the New York Yankees became the Yankees in 19, I think it's like 1916 or 1911, something like that. Tommy's shaking his head. He knows ball. And so before that, they were the Highlanders. So I've kind of loosely told myself, oh, I'll make a New York Highlanders type of run. And then I bought two Islanders. You have to pay strong on the T206 just because it's like you can't find them anywhere. I don't know if it's a personal pickup. I don't know if it's a flip. But I do know that they're centered in gorgeous cards. So that's like how I started my day. And then it just transitioned to like seeing people I know, talking to people I know. At one point, I'm thinking like, 
I've been with the people I know too much. I need to buy more cards. I did not come here to I did come here to talk and enjoy friends, but it's like I came here to buy cards. I am a card. If you see Max at a card show, just make sure that you're also actively trying to buy cards while talking. Uh, man, <laughs> no, no, no. I know I'm fucking with you, but uh, I'm excited, Max, for you to make your trip out here for Chicago. I think it's going to be a blast. We're going to buy. I think we might. I might get you to pull out a phone and record some videos potentially for content purposes. But uh, we'll definitely be recording live from uh, Tommy's apartment, which will be dope. Yeah, live from Tommy's apartment, going people- through our collections, going through the the card backpack. That'll be that'll be exciting. Um, you mentioned that you went to Philly before, and that before you didn't have as much vintage knowledge. Do you think that, like, how much do you think that impacted your experience this time? Like, I feel like last time you were kind of underwhelmed with the show. It made uh, it more fun because there was more that I could look at and understand and also evaluate. Pretty much any big modern dealer that maybe would have gone to Philly if the Philly show was the was did not have any convicting shows that weekend probably would have went to philly but they all went to dallas so the the modern selection was even more watered down than what it usually is some people said oh there's more modern than i thought but like this is this was a very vintage kind of heavy show i obviously you know the vast majority of my pickups were all modern but from a walking standpoint it made it more enjoyable having some more things to look at and consume and Overall, my impression of the show was that it's a very strong. It is the vintage show of the country. Like it is the Dallas equivalent for for vintage, and cards are cards. I'm here to consume cards, figuratively, and it commute wise, it made more sense to do Philly, especially because I kind of expected that Chicago would be more modern heavy, that maybe I'd be spending more. So I don't know if I could have done like a Dallas and a Chicago bat and back to back, you know, in under ten days, but. The vintage aspect of Philly, it let me explore a little bit. I will say that Chicago is going to see, you're definitely going to see a lot of vintage at the Chicago show as well. It's not going to just be like modern, modern stuff. I mean, there's definitely a heavy, there's definitely a lot of big, like big modern dealers that'll be there, but there's also some pretty, you know, expansive vintage dealers. So I'm interested to see what you come out of that show with in terms of like percentage of your pickups and stuff. Usually I end up walking out with like, 20% vintage, maybe I'll find like one or two cards that I thought were cool. Um, and then mostly some modern value box hunting. There is one guy that will have to immediately go hit up Max for value boxing, like immediately upon entrance. And is why I want you to get the sneak peek uh, badge so we can literally just walk in, walk straight to that value box and just dive together for like- okay, we're, we're doing a sneak peek? Yeah, we got to do the sneak peek. It's worth it. It's worth the $40? No, it's worth like- well, it's worth getting the three-day deal for you, right? Like, I don't know how it works. I'm nuanced. I'm a smooth brain. Forty bucks get forty bucks gets you three-day pass plus sneak peek. What does twenty-five dollars do? One day. What? Yeah, dude. Or oh, twenty-five gets you in Friday sneak peek. And what is is there a two-day weekend deal? No. And fifteen dollars is GA. Yeah. General admission. I, oh, I think it might be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fifteen. Okay, so the market, so it's like it's 15, 15, 25, but you get all of it for 40. Yeah. Okay, and preview day Friday is really important, right? I just, it's just a good thing because like Friday usually is pretty busy early on. So it's good to get in there early and kind of like get the lay of the land without anyone. I'm a man of the cards, but I don't want to get scammed. Like the Dallas card show, $150 for the four day pass 
when Thursday, no one really, it's Thursday's a little desolate. Sure, you can spend as much money as you can walk in as soon as you walk into the room on Thursday. But like Thursday's a bit of a dead day and it's $15 general admission and you're paying $150 for a four-day pass. That's like kind of a scheme. I don't really, I mean, usually I say scheme in like a good way, but that's like a bad scheme. No, no, this is the spectacular value to it. The spectacular is not, is like is a scheme on the food and drink side, but not on the admission price side. I will say that. Yeah, I mean, I am weak for like eighteen dollars chicken nuggets and fries. Yeah, we're we're gonna have to try to avoid that. We're gonna have to we're gonna go out and fucking have a dinner in Chicago, Max. We're gonna have dinner in Chicago. We're gonna we're gonna have a drink. Yeah, we can roll bars. Yeah, we're gonna have a great time. So expect to be overloaded with young old heads, pictures, and content over the next week. Yeah, um, Tommy, we got like two pictures together in the national. Did we? We did get two pictures, right? No, but then we got some at Bleaker too. Okay, but what, what, what Bleaker? What are you talking about? What Bleaker, dude? You literally sold me the biggest card of my life at Bleaker. Like, oh yeah, like five months ago. <laughs> oh yeah, how is how's that card doing? Have we ever told the story about how we saw John Stewart at lunch after that? John who? John Stewart. We saw John Stewart. Yeah, at the pizza place. Do you not remember this? No, I don't think I cared. Dude, you're <laughs> tripping balls. After me and Max went to Bleecker, this was this must have been like August or September in New York. We went to this pizza place around the corner, and we literally saw John Stewart eating right next to us. And Max does not remember this. So I'm sure he'll get some hate for that. I'm I'm right. I totally do not remember that. Um, Tommy went to New York because he was working for Lollyx and he was doing stuff with Barstool Big Cat. So he didn't he didn't come out just to see me, you know. Although that is a reason for a lot of people to fly into New York just to see me. But yeah. um, come on. Jo- joking, unless. But um, no, that was some good pizza, Bleecker Street, and that was when I handed. It wasn't any formal event. I just handed off the Buster Posey Topps Chrome Refractor Autograph Beckett Nine Five. Is it a min gem, or is it? See, these are things I don't give a fuck about. The mint gem. out of 65 auto. Is that right? Is that a 65? Out of 90, but the last 10 are green. So it's like technically out of 80, but it was also a redemption. So who knows how many were redeemed, etc. Okay, but that does have something that you do care about. It does have the new top stickers, auto sticker. It doesn't have the old ones. It, doesn't it have the has the clear one. Did you see that thing on Twitter about... The Ryan Howard that I sent. Oh, I love that. So Ryan Howard in 2023 Top Series One has insert autographs, and it, he doesn't. The autograph sticker autographs aren't clear like the more modern, most 2010s and 2020s tops autograph sticker autographs. They're like the silvery autographs from like the early 2000s, and where you can tell the tops have just had the stickers in a warehouse for years. And they're just trying to put some use into them. But it's such a throwback to like the cooler Topps Chrome cards. Yeah, I uh, I met a guy at Chip Shawana the other last or two weekends ago, last weekend, um, who went to the Fleer auction. Do you know about the Fleer auction, Max? No, I don't. So f- when Fleer went bankrupt, there is like this big auction in New York of all their inventory. And okay. this guy was there and you could buy like pre-production proofs of car of like previous sets, a lot of like reverse negative printing plate sort of shit but also yeah. a ton of sticker autos and like game use memorabilia and like assorted randomness uh he was telling me he was a he's a he's the premier larry johnson collector uh so he literally said he got 
he bought whatever he did just to get like the Larry Johnson rare shit or whatever. But um, if you're ever looking to go through like a Wikipedia rabbit hole, Max, look into the Fleer auction. It's a it's an interesting thing. Yeah, uh, probably will. Um, I got a package, Max, this week from a uh, loyal young old heads listener. Okay, uh, before you get into that, how is the card? The Buster Posey Auto. How is it? It's is- it's it's deep in my closet slash hidden somewhere slash being, i probably should put it in a safety deposit box. and like cherished yeah it's being cherished i uh i actually I mean, have the thought... cherished, but i mean like i don't know i love learning the lore of a card oh yeah i mean i i'm i'm keeping it kind of low-key for now i think i'm kind of waiting till i move into my own place and like have a nicer situation to do like a really cool like setup of all my nice posy cards and stuff like you're not doing the degenerate live with college friends forever no sadly i'll be moving out of my apartment at the end of may uh, really you're living on your own after that yeah i'm in my own place and uh, now with the new job and everything gonna put down some serious roots here in chicago and kind of be here long term i'm excited about it and then start a family <laughs> no not, i'm 24 years old now it's not it's not my uh what is maybe chicago a cards family live forever I'm, I'm gonna build a cards family uh what are you gonna live in chicago oh Okay, some slabs fell on the floor. Whoops. Um, are are you going to stay in Chicago forever? This is a ridiculous episode. Um, I'm in Chicago for at least the next five years. I can tell you that. Okay, five. That's that's that's, that's, about, that's like extremely long term thinking. I don't even know. If, I'm. I assume I can say that. Who knows though? Um, yeah, I think what you can get in five years with the cards. You can. Get, I might go a lot. I mean, considering the last year, I don't know. The next couple of years are gonna be crazy. Anyway. The poster posy is chilling, Max. It's a okay. good. It's it's. Still, you dug it in the bed. Each that other. and my Steph Curry gold are the two crown jewels in my collection. Yes, you know? everything you know, else goes around those. Um, Josh L. Chin, who I'm pretty sure does not listen to the podcast, but drove down with me with Philly. Um, he has a PSA six gold Curry, and he I think he cracked it, and it became a Beckett seven five Curry. But it reminds me of your gold Curry. In that That's both cool. of them are just very low grades. His is a little bit better than yours. Yeah. Uh, his was a PSA 6 for the longest time. Yours was a PSA. I mean, you haven't graded it yet, right? No, I think I might send it in with a Slap Mafia. You have to give it like a 3 for the culture. No, I'm doing Beckett subgrades. I really? Like that. PSA Slap is so much sleeker. Nah, but Beckett subgrades is so much more... Okay, I'm doing, I'm doing an RCR order in Chicago. So okay. you can throw that in if you want. Or you can just do the encapsulation. I don't give a fuck about RCR, dude. Except no, by DCI. What? I said except by DCI. Except by DCI, yes. Oh, just get it in the DCI label. And then it's like DCI 2. Dude, I Jason, I need to actually maybe do that. If Jason's going to be in Chicago, I might have to do that. No, that would be fun. Um, but just, just also get that curry in as many slabs as possible. Just the complete anti-Tommy. Oh, that'd be hilarious. That's you actually... Know? That can be like young old heads, like 3.0 content. <laughs> are we at 2.0 yet or are we transitioning to 2.0? I think we're in 2.0 now. We're in 2.0. Is maybe is more like. Old, is young old heads hobby full time toppy? Um, young old heads 2.0. Is that the transition? Yeah. N- well, now that I don't, now that I'm not going to be working at Ledex, I feel like that kind of ends like the first, you know, kind of. The arc. The first arc of young old heads. I mean, we're almost. We're eight episodes away from one year. (laughs) 
Yes, we are. And that will be pretty sick. I'm excited. And I feel like, um, I mean, I feel like we started the podcast in like April. I feel like, because you know, I was in still in college. I was still in college when we were doing the podcast. Yeah. Like, I know we've been extremely diligent in once per week, but like maybe there's like a week or so we skipped or something like that. Because like, I feel like, well, I guess six weeks from now would be end of April. Yeah, I think we literally have missed one week. That doesn't make sense. So how are we on 44? We have a bonus episode. Okay, that's 45. Yeah. Okay, so this is just like one of those like young old heads lore episodes that just get tossed into the treasure trove. This one? Yeah. <laughs> this is definitely a random one if you're, you're tuning in. But uh, yeah. Max, moving to cards. I have... Isn't this here. card so sick? Yeah, you just got dunked on. Look at this Clemente. It's so cool. Okay, right, now you're listening. What's cooler? Cody Ross, Hope Diamond 2011 from at Old Man 28 or Max's Roberto Clemente. That isn't even mine anymore. You sold it already? Yeah. Oh my God, that's crazy. Um, at it's Old going, Man 28. It's going in good hands. I can see yeah. that. He gave me a Cody Ross 2011 Hope Diamond, which is insane. Um, we've talked about Hope Diamonds. They're the greatest. Um, if you don't own a Hope Diamond or never seen one in person, Highly recommend it um, if you can find one for a good deal. He also sent me my first Retrofractor from 2001, which is pretty Oh, that pops. Do you know about Retrofractors? I don't understand the name differentiation. Is it that they're like vintage socky on the back, which I guess is all vintage sock, and then like shiny on the front? Yeah. Actually, Max, I have an idea for you. Can you give me... This is is a fake new segment called Tommy Comes Up With An Idea, and you tell me if it's cool or not. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. Every year for Heritage, I want them to take, they already did it this year. They took out the veteran SSPs, right? Not veteran, uh, the legend. Max, from uh, from Flagship. You know how Flagship used to have Babe Ruth? Yeah, I know. It has like the Babe Ruth, it has the Clementes, it has the, you know, everyone else. Yeah, so instead of doing that, this is my my, uh, proposal to Tops, is every year for Heritage, Whatever year heritage it is, like from the past, you take like the top rookies from that year. So let's say it's like 1989 has Ken Griffey, Randy Johnson, Gary Sheffield or whatever. And I know that we're far away from that year, but those guys get like ultra SSSPs, like photo variation, like a rookie, quote unquote, rookie cards in the heritage set as like legend SSSP rookie cards with like rookie logo and shit. Is that cool or not cool? Um, I think it's cool. Um, I think I, what I, one of the things that I detest the most is post playing career cards. Like I hate like Wilt Chamberlain 2014 prisms. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to like, but I think he does. Is there anything to make them cool though? I think not milking it makes it cool like if you don't have a willie mccovey in every single set since 1970 then it's cool if they've just been using willie mccovey's name and like this at every single opportunity it's not cool i mean we have willie mccovey cards but they're like relics and autos and like triple threads and that's kind of cool but it's also like not cool since it's like okay there's a billion of them but the rookie logo base card ssp chase has a shot the thing is and this is the unfortunate truth. Modern collectors don't exist. And if you are collecting modern, excuse me, let me rephrase this properly. 
niche set collecting is near dead for modern. And if you do it, you pretty much are doing it at dirt cheap prices or doing it at an extreme financial loss. And that is heartbreaking. Are you following this guy who's doing the uh, ultra S or the SSP bounty chase? I do not follow. There's this guy on TikTok. It's like at uncommon app or something. He's like, he's doing, I think he finally completed it, but he was doing the blowout forums, $250,000 SSP uh, complete set chase thing. He was doing all the math and like, I'm going to spend this much ripping and then I'm going to fill it in on this much per card and I'm going to make this much money on it. I don't think he's like, I think he's making like 100K total, which is dope, but like a lot of risk involved, obviously, and um, a little crazy. But I, I like that kind of incentive thing. I know well, that that. And here's the pill. It doesn't even matter until update releases. Like being the first to do the fir first person to get all the SSP Golden Mirrors for Series 1 and Series 2, that's cool. You can do that whenever you want. You don't need to pay the first to, first to list premiums because then once update, that's when the last 300 or 400 or however many are out, that's when the last ones for the full set are needed. That's when they're released. That's when you have to start paying up if you're doing that. I wonder if it includes update or not. That's interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm like 90% sure. It will definitely include Series 2. Yeah, so maybe he's might be just capping, telling people that he's done with it. I mean, now that I'm realizing Series 2 also counts, I'm stupid for that, but whatever. Um, I think that that was brought up though at the Tops Industry Conference, Max, this idea of like set collecting is dead and modern sets and stuff. And um, I think people were kind of trying to get Tops to encourage them to like incentivize set building with like things like the incentive, you know, thing. I think there's ways of doing it where like you... I think they, they used to do this kind of in the junk wax era too, where you're like, you bring in a set, you get a card or whatever. Yeah. It's all three. It's series one, series two update. There's 990 total, 330 in each release. Jesus Christ. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> this dude, I hope this dude knows that. Um, anyway. I hope this dude loses to me. I have a couple cards I want to talk about though, Max, real quick. Yeah. You don't mind? I'm there not. is a soccer card that i want to talk about with you that i want to ask if you've ever seen before okay it's a 2004 cristiano ronaldo plus freddie adu dual card i've not seen before this is iconic to me i mean i don't really do soccer cards but freddie adu was like i feel like a vivid memory to me of like u.s soccer hope is here and since he's on a card with cristiano ronaldo who actually is legitimately like a goat uh, I love that shit, and also U.S. soccer. How can you not love the lovable losers? Max, are you following the World Baseball Classic at all? I'm following Team USA, please. Team USA, I can't. I mean, Great Britain, ridiculous team. I, I'm not really a fan of these dudes who like have like very loose connections to these countries, being able to represent them. I don't. Do you have you followed? I don't like that Freddie Freeman is in Team Canada, respectfully. Yeah, and like Trace Thompson's playing for Great Britain. Like that's literally Clay Thompson's I brother. Did not know that. Who's on the Great Britain roster, if you know offhand? Probably just all American dudes, to be honest. But I love seeing Shohei hit bombs in wherever they're playing. Are they playing the games in Japan? I don't know. But it's it's pretty cool to see him hit, like, a deep bomb there and the crowd's reaction and everything. I bought a box of that World Tops uh, World Baseball Classic. Did you buy any of those? I want to buy them. I'm thinking about buying them. They're still in stock, right? Yeah, I think if you look, Max, at like the history, though, of World Baseball Classic cards, 
there actually is a pretty solid like market for them long term, especially sealed stuff. I saw is like kind of crazy. There's some yeah, no sealed markets there. The thing is, it just takes like six months for them to actually ship it. They are so frustratingly annoying with how long it takes for them to ship stuff like that. Yeah, true. I sent. It all I don't even want to put the money in. I sold it. I sent it to my parents' house because I don't even know where I'm going to live by the time it ships. I had the same thought. Yeah, but we love our parents on this podcast. I uh, I remember I made my dad buy me the 2006, I think, World Baseball Classic Upper Deck set, and that set is like not rare at all. But it's like the first World Baseball Classic set. Some pretty cool cards in there if you're looking to buy some cheap World Baseball Classic stuff. Uh, first World Baseball Classic could have some theoretically long term cool aspects to it. Um, there's some cool triple threads and relics. Okay, I've been dabbling in the tops now for World Baseball Classic. That seems fun. The 2017 tops now ones, those are pretty rare. No, the 2023 ones. Oh, you're saying you're going to buy some tops now cards? I've been thinking about it. Yeah, we're too early. Those though. actually take two weeks to ship, and those don't take two months. True. Hey, interesting full circle moment for the Young Old Heads podcast talking about tops now. Uh, always our favorite topic, but. Uh, yeah. Oh, wait. Now I'm really thinking. Like, there's probably a lot of people who get their first cards or something like that. Yeah. Uh, there's a history of there's a history of some early World Baseball Classic cards. If you do want to go down like a TCDB rabbit hole or eBay rabbit hole, searching World Baseball Classic tops and upper deck cards, definitely cool history there. Uh, highly recommend. Highly recommend. Interesting. I, I already got Max looking, and he is maybe distracted. <laughs> Maybe, maybe I'm looking at the Carlos Rodon has a print run of 413 when signed to the Yankees. Tops now card. Mm. I the off season off season top now cards are always interesting. Um, I'm looking now. I don't think Otani has a card for this year yet. I'm looking that Roki Roki Sasaki does. I think I'm gonna buy that. Do you know who he is? Not who's that. He's like disgusting in Japan. Is he a pitcher or a hitter? He's a pitcher. Oh, is this that like phenom pitcher that they have? Yeah. It, like I look for every for my fantasy baseball draft each year that has like obscenely deeply is obscenely deep like minor league, you know, rosters. Um I like look at fan graphs and I look at the international prospects and I see his name like every year, but it's like, oh, I can't draft him because he's international. But no, he's gross. Interesting. I, I definitely fuck with it. Yeah, Roki Sasuke. He is 21. Um, I don't know when he gets posted. That's sick. Yeah, it says, according to the fan graphs, if he were a college prospect in the U.S., he'd be in the conversation for the 2023 draft topic. Damn. They compared him. Okay. Um, he became the LeBron James of Japanese baseball in the process and was the first pick in the 2019 MPB draft, which was in remarks to... Him cementing a legacy in high school, in which he had a stretch where he was asked to throw nearly 500 pitches in an eight-day span, including a 12-inning complete game where he hit the game-winning game-winning two-run homer. Yeah, that'll that'll turn you into a legend pretty quick. Yeah, so really, like, okay, so this card, um, it goes out of stock in 18 hours. I made DGen pack buy a 20 pack because is this his first card? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he's in one of those tops and NBD or MBL. Yeah, he probably is. He's probably is. But like, still, people love I the red classic. Collectors do. 
Yeah, collect moment. Like a like if Okani had cards from this era, it'd be like this is crazy, you know. Isn't that kind of though what his like first like that Bowman Mega Box card of him is kind of? Yeah. Like, hey, it's at least licensed. Yeah, no, that's a cool card. Here's like 2022 Bowman for MPB. I Roki Sasaki, Roki Sasaki. Part of my mispronunciation. So he's in Top Chrome for MPB. He has he's in Bowman for MPB, and then there's some of the Japanese sets. That's legit. This is like, and then I don't know what BBM is, but he's in BBM. That's probably like a legit like set. That's not domestic. It would be cool to have someone on Max eventually who's like an expert in like the internet the the like international baseball card market for those types of stuff because I just I don't really see them or whatever. Hard. I just texted you. Oh, okay. you have you not disturb on? Yeah, I'm, I do too. That's why I told you about it Good. just now. Um, my your previous text, your previous text to me is this freaking 2013 tops update Prince George of Cambridge Royal Baby SSP that sold for 110 bucks. Can't believe that's yeah. real. That is a cool card. Look at that Groki Sasaki card. I don't know if that's an image variation or not. That's cool. That is cool. All right, I'm in on this guy. I'm in. Yeah, we are now. He is now the official sports analysis poster boy of this podcast. Hey, you got to be looking for niche. This, this is in line with our talks about minor league baseball cards in the previous episodes about like how cool those can be and like unique collectability of those. I feel like this is a similar type topic. Yeah. And I remember like Seiya Suzuki had some similar hype with like his MPP cards. And then people just stopped caring. Well, like, honestly. Yeah, but he wasn't that good. And like, you know. I mean, he's not bad, but I mean. Imagine if he's 28, Sasaki's 21, I'm 23, Tommy's 24. <laughs> like, add it all up. Add it all up, divide by five, and that's what you get. We're all cards, Max. That's what we are. We are all cards, even though I named four people. <laughs> all right, Max, I have one more real update for you. Can we? We're going to transition this real quick, and then, yeah. and then I'm going to end this because this is pure nonsense. But I finally, my ComC update from my order from November. I submitted cards in November economy, 50 cents per card. Uh, they're finally trickling into my account now in March, five months later. The deadline for them to get them in is March 23rd, so they still have some time. But I've already what sold 20 cards, Max. 20 cards have been sold already out of this, all for less than like five bucks. And they all have been for profit, or I mean, profit as in over 50 cents. Um. And I'm already buying some cool cards with the money, but uh, I'm happy. Some of the some of the highlights include a 2022 Tops update green foil John Gray out of 4.99. You've never heard of that guy? It sold for 75 cents. Let's go! About? I know ball. I know Colorado Rockies pitcher John Gray. Well, I also sold a 20 a Bobby Witt uh, 1987 35th anniversary paper card for a dollar 20 cents. I sold a. Julio Rodriguez rookie debut paper for two fifty. Two fifty. Um, other things that I sold include a twenty sixteen select Demontis Zabonis for two dollars and thirty cents. Uh, nice one there. And then I'll give one more for you. I sold a Trey Murphy hoops blue for a dollar eighty nine. I mean, that's just free money right there, Max. Yeah, free money that you have to wait six months for to sell. And that you are paying 50 cents per for the risk of them not even selling. 
Yes, but for fun, right? I mean, it's the equivalent of lighting like $3 cards on fire. You can't even light the 50 cent cards on fire because you have to pay for them to be ingested. Well, I'm not doing anything below 50 cents, but I am having fun checking my comps, seeing what's selling. Uh, I am almost at break even, at least in terms of revenue off this. So as long, my whole goal is to at least break even because then I'm turning... Break even from the 50 cent fees that you imposed on yourself. Yeah, but like I'm paying that much. I'm turning 80 bucks or whatever into 150 bucks or 250 bucks, you know, somewhere in that range. Because these are cards I don't give a fuck about, dude. Like, I'm not going to grind eBay and do eBay standard envelope like you do. I'm not doing that. I just, I just can't. I don't know. Send them to like a Twitter consignment or something. And then you're into them for zero dollars and making all profit. Well, I've been trying to get you to be my stack seller, but you don't want to do it. I have like five. There's a billion people that are really good at it. I, who, should, who should I give them to? Then give me a rec for who should I send my League. cards? Who? Logan? Give them the Logan's League. I there I don't want to say specifically who, but yeah, I was told by you know someone that I met at Philly that um they literally just go through value boxes, okay? They'll find cards that are not like the more commonly movable ones, not necessarily like the you know the hardcore like okay you pulled a Kyle Schwarber fifth year parallel, you know not those not including those, but like using the example of like Freddie Freeman Bowman Platinums, Bowman Platinum rookie cards. Uh, we saw them in a dollar box at five bucks. Okay. They sell on eBay for five to seven and you negotiate, you get it down to $3. You will buy them, send them to Logan. Logan gets 25%. You know, let's say the card sells for like five to seven bucks. Okay. You know, Logan, you know, gets paid the dollar to to list it. That's all outsourced. And then the person who buys it gets their $3 back plus like a few more bucks. It's like literally buying it from the value box and then directly outsourcing it to Logan's League. I'm doing something with uh, our boy H.P. Miller. That's my new My new move for... Oh, I love H.P. Miller. I, uh, I approve. Hayden's the man. Uh, every yeah. time he goes to a card show now and is going to spend like a good amount of time going through dollar bins, I'm going to give him a budget that I'm willing to spend on my PC with him. And he's going to go value box hunting for my PC with a little tip. What do you think about that? Oh, I love that. Especially PC. It's like, because you, you think like Hayden's high IQ. He's high card IQ. Okay. Yeah. Like you, he knows ball in regards to like which top cards, tops cards fuck. Sorry, Mr. Two Star Reviewer. And which cards don't. So you get, that's someone that you can entrust to like, and you can't like outsource that. You can't like, I mean, you're obviously outsourcing it to Hayden, but you can't like hire someone formally in that. It's like you need like a really solid bargain valuer and and someone who knows cards, someone who knows cards. Yeah, and I approve that you entrust him. Yeah, he's would, he's someone I would entrust. This is a pilot program. Uh, my new idea, Max. That now that I'm not going to be working with Ludex and being able to travel to as many shows is how can yeah, I be travel less? Well, I'm just going to be going to less shows. You know, traveling less. Ooh. The whole thing cards forever cards are forever dude this podcast is not going anywhere but it's not i want to be everywhere like i I realize shows are the number one place to get deals and i'm tired of like i want to be everywhere and be able to have people looking for my pc everywhere (laughs) and it would be dope if i could 
make enough money to like have minions in every region of the U.S. <laughs> looking for my PC at card shows. Like that's my crazy dream. And right my now. PC, it's like, like you're giving, you're enlisting them. Okay, Clay Thompson and cool giants and to a lesser extent warriors from like 2000 on yes. and like interesting provoking non-sport especially yes. music exactly relevant non-sport yeah it's you know i think it needs to like at least with hayden he just has been like we've been yeah. on these for so long and, and stuff. especially like bo booey and anyone northwestern I mean, if you find the Boo Booey Super Fractor Max, I, w- I do still have a $50 bounty out for that. So if you if anyone has any word of where the Boo Booey Bowman uh, Super Fractor is, I will be the buyer. Did you um, see um did you see what happened with the Ben Joyce um bounty hunt? No, what happened? Who even is uh, that? Uh 22's cards, um, who I talked to a ton at Philly. Great guy. Um he put out a bounty on this like random angels. Uh, prospect from Bowman Draft, who I think both he's really big on. Also, he's like an Angels fan, and he wanted to like put a chase on him and just like get the super and get all the red autos. And he put like a two point five k bounty on the super, and he put a one k bounty on the reds. So like, if you find them, you give it to him, you get a thousand dollars for a Bowman Chrome Draft pitcher auto. Okay, this is not. He's not only he's not even the biggest name that the Angels drafted that year. He was. I mean, I don't want to just shit on this prospect. Yeah, he was a third-round pick drafted 89th overall, okay? And there's $2,500 in the super. And someone pulled the super and, like, put it on his post. Of the, and so, like, the the, the the finder's fee, or, oh, excuse me, the bounty post? I think he did have finder's fees. Like, the bounty post? It actually worked. It actually found the super factor, this really obscure guy. That's insane. I did not yeah. see that. So I think they're then like he commented. I think they're DMing back and forth. I don't know if they're negotiating about it. And then two other people are like, wow, looking for this, interested. And like, wow, I really had my eyes on this. Glad it turned up. And then like, you're doing this in the replies of the bounty post of the guy who's willing to spend like more, you know, $2,500, a quarter of $10,000 on a third round pitcher auto. And it's like, you're really going to try to like outbid him. Not even just outbid him. Cause it's like, Oh, you're, he's paying way more than maybe way more than it's worth again. But it's like, you're trying to cock block the person trying to collect the super factor auto of a third round pick pick 89th overall, excuse me, 80, no 89th overall. It's like, <laughs> what do you, come on. Are you serious? Is this, is this really cards? Is this really it, cards? Right it now? is really cards. It is cards. You gotta be carding me. All right, Max. You get one. You get one, one more anecdote deal that you get to talk about, and then I'm shutting you down. No, and then we're doing eBay buys and sells. Dude, we've done too many, too much. Oh my god! All right, um, fine. We're trying. Oh, we gotta cool. just go this straight. Cool. This was an eBay buy. buy off the cuff. This was an eBay buy. So this is Tucker Davidson's orange sapphire. Okay, nice. Tucker Davidson was a rookie in 2021. Okay, in one of my bolt plots, I have a. I bought a 2022. Topps Chrome Sapphire, Tucker Davidson, Orange Sapphire to 25, 2022, second year. As I'm trying to comp it, I see his 2021 rookie Sapphire, Orange out of 25, labeled as a 2022. Oh. It's actually the 2021 rookie. And it's there for $3 in shipping. Calm. And I I knew Tuck, I mean, I didn't know him personally, but like I knew him as a prospect. He like kind of broke out in like double A-ish. He's a little bit on the older side. 
but I think there's some potential. I don't know if he's so brave. So I immediately bought it for like five bucks chipped. And I listed my 2022 second year at like 10 bucks. And I think I'm going to list this for like 20. So we'll see how that goes. But that was kind of a fun flip and making the most of like the mislabeled year on the eBay listing. I love that. Big fan of that, the, that eBay purchase and flip real quick. Uh, I have, I'll just talk about one quick eBay buy. Uh, I'm very bullish on this set and I'm honestly probably remiss for even mentioning it on the podcast because I think it's going to turn people onto it a little bit. But in 2003, Upper Deck SP Authentic Golf, there are these Tiger Woods cards that are all numbered. They're all serial numbered and they're all serial numbered out of like 2000 more or less. You know, they're yeah. numbered out of years he won tournaments. So it's like 2000, 2002, whatever. Um, you can find them from anywhere to like three to 20 to 30 bucks. Three bucks though is kind of where I just kind of cop them. I just buy them. I've been buying them for a while. Just like these high serial numbered Tiger Woods cards that came in this one set. Uh, I think they're pretty cool looking cards. They're a nice finish to them. Uh, anything serial numbered Tiger just like doesn't really pop up. Uh, I know Tiger Woods is like kind of sometimes a hot topic in the hobby because he kind of has weird cards. He's like as a goat of any sport is always kind of mentioned in terms of like quote unquote undervalued whatever bullshit sort of stuff. Um, but I've been just scooping up these high number Tiger cards. Got one for five bucks the other day. I was hyped about it. Uh, little sneak peek into what I hoard over here in my collection. That's fun. Yeah, it's a fun collecting thing. Uh, it, is, it is a fun collecting thing. Um, yeah, I will wrap it up in a second. Um, going over eBay buys, I bought some fun PSA 9s to crack. I don't know if they'll be successful, but I bought two Erling Holland Sapphires from 2019, his rookie year, PSA 9s. I bought a Luka Doncic Hollow PSA 9, and I bought a Zion Williamson Silver Prism PSA 9, and those are fun. And as of now, I have had my cards from the Ty Cobb trade for maybe, I think I got them Wednesday, so maybe three to four full days. I did. I have not done anything today because I was burnt out from Philly, and I got them like Wednesday afternoon. So really like two days and then like two half days. And I think I've recouped like $3,000 from the Cobb already. And I still have a good bit of inventory to, to go. What were um, you in on the Cobb for again? Forty-seven fifty. All right. We got to do an update next week then. See how yeah, much. So that's like the current update of like, I'm like three. I'm, I think give her, I have a spreadsheet. It's just like not updated with like two or three more cards that I sold. So I'm like 90% sure I've like broken 3000 or I'm like bordering it. So we'll do the weekly update and um, we'll see how long it'll take for me to churn it and get back to either profit on the card or break even. And I hope I get to buy more soon because those cards are fucking dank. Like the coolest thing about Philly, I know Tommy. No, I was going to say, let me say, suck it, Keith Olbermann. Yeah. Suck it, Keith Olbermann. Um, is that like the thing with vintage is like none of these cards or some of them pop up at open auction, but like they don't pop up at open auction often, regardless of like, sure. Cobbs have like a few T206 red portrait Cobbs. There's like a few hundred probably in the pot, maybe like low few thousands. I think it's like a good bit, but like some of the more obscure ones, like you can see a card at Philly and it wouldn't have hit auction in like five years. Sometimes. Do you, did you see anything like that this weekend? That you remember offhand or not? We can just skip that. There was, this was in like this missed connection deal that I was talking about earlier. 
it was it actually like so kind of annoyed me um there was a 1955 bowman mickey mantle psa 2 it looked sharp for a psa 2 the card of the podcast is of course 1955 willie mays and 1955 mickey mantle um that's what we use for the card you know the logo of the podcast pretty much and we mimic the exact poses podcast fun fact so i saw a 52 bowman mantle and i don't know what it was i think it was like this i don't think it was alan and ginger but i think it was like an card from 1887 and it was a psa one and i was card laddering it and like a psa one five did like 350 or something like that and he was stickered at 350 or something or something like that i hate to just butcher on the details but it was just like a dank card that just did not have any recent sales i had no idea who it was and i'm like this is like anything i think like pre-1900s that's when it's like this thing is just cool yeah, that's that's museum piece type shit. That's cool. Well, yeah, and then um, so in essence, I attributing to the like how hard they are to get out of people's hands. I think he was stickered at nine hundred. I tried to get him to eight hundred, and he's like, no. And he's, I'm like, well, I'm like three twenty five. He's like, oh, I'm stickered at three fifty. Other three three twenty five. I'm stickered at like five fifty. I'll do five twenty five. Like that's it. Take it or leave it. And I'm like. You are killing me. I have to pass, but because you were above comps on the mail to begin with. But that's my little vent and story. But like, there are like the more I'm diving into the rabbit hole, the more I'm enjoying it. With the biggest premise of that, like, it's not necessarily even about the players. I am most intrigued about the history and relevantly the scarcity of cards. I think we entered Young Old Heads 2.0 when you started going to vintage. That could be it. Like, there's, like, the strip cards and the coupon cards. There's caramel, caramel cards, which are cool. There's the... I don't, like, really dig the oversized as much. I don't think they look as cool. Fuck oversized cards. Fuck oversized vintage. I don't think they're cards. I'm out on that. This is card history. This yeah. is card education. And I've gotten my PhD. I'm literally, like, pursuing, like, a second master's thesis right now. I can't wait to argue about if 1910 oversized things are cards with you going forward <laughs> yeah i'm a smooth right right now i can't help you my brother in christ but uh, i do know i bought a lot i bought a lot of cards i spent more card. i spent more money in one day than i've ever done in my life with cards hell yeah that's and i love cards cards we are cards, cards. we'll see you guys next week i am a card peace out